because of this, we were actually the first to launch on a public testnet uh, to give people a flavor of what these two staking can be with a sort of DeFi-oriented service. Hey, Kirill, thank you so much for joining me on Wholesome Crypto Podcast today. It's a beautiful Friday morning here. I know it's a Friday afternoon for you in Estonia. So thank you very much for joining me. Hey, Rudy. Yeah, it is my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me over and uh, you know, giving me the opportunity to, to appear on your podcast. Of course. I'm excited for the conversation. <laughs> of course, of course. That's my pleasure too. Yeah, I mean... You have a great background working with Stakewise. You and your co-founder, Dimitri, have done a lot of work there. Before we start getting into all what Stakewise does, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and what you've done in your past and your history that led you up to working uh, and starting up Stakewise. Yeah, um, interesting question. <laughs> so uh, I am originally from Estonia, and I think I've been always interested in in like the economics and financial sort of dealings of uh, just like companies and, mm -hmm. uh, and businesses. And this led me to pursue like an economics focused degree. And, and later on, I ended up working for an investment fund uh, here well, in Estonia. Was, just so was it, it, sorry, yeah. I just wanted to know, was it, was it the, like the challenge of you know, solving a mathematical equation for you? And obviously money is a fun thing to solve because so many people love it so much. Mm -hmm. But what was, what part of the challenge that got you was getting you excited about you know, economics and making you uh, focus your studies on that? It's an interesting question. Um, I think, I, I tend to think that it has to do with like my, my love for uh, solving puzzles. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I'm not, you know, a fan of just like crunching numbers for the sake of, um, I don't know, accounting, for example. I'm mostly interested in, in crunching numbers to, to try and like model some, some scenarios for, for the future. So it's more like trying to understand how the different components of one big system come together and, and finding a way to approximate, you know, their, their dynamics, um, you know, individually and, and to see what sort of global result this can, this can end up with. So I don't know whether this is, uh, the sort of pursuit of certainty about the future, or it's just the, the, the process itself. Um, it, it's kind of, it, it always drew me. Uh, towards towards economics and i think a big part of it is also like the behavioral aspect mm -hmm. so like trying to uh, figure out how people's behavior uh, influences just economic outcomes as well and that's super and, interesting and in crypto because exactly, emotional yeah. behavior is a hefty player in the game i feel like people underestimate how much emotion is used in crypto yeah no 100 percent and and I think crypto is just one big experiment on like people's um, attitude towards towards money and behavior. It's like a giant gambling machine. And uh, although it's, it's still sort of in its infancy, I do think that a lot of what we see in DeFi is driven by just pure game theoretic uh, sort of mm -hmm. behavior. And and it can be modeled as such. Uh, and then there's this often uh, like this, this element of uncertainty still where community and, and like wholesome values somehow still overrule 
just like parasitic behavior or, or some sort of self um, like, uh, yeah, it's like a win win because you, everybody that's investing in uh, crypto early on, of course, wants their portfolio to increase in value, but they also do mm -hmm. care about the mission of giving everyone the power to be able to take full control of their assets and their value and their and their money. Um, so it's a, yeah. yeah, it's definitely exciting to see that happen and play out. And, and perhaps occasionally also not not letting something obviously bad happen to others in the community. Mm -hmm. Basically, trying to deter people from making a mistake or just making sure that everyone's like on the same. Uh, level playing field um, it, it does like interest me how, how sometimes these these actions are driven by just altruistic motives uh but but again i think it's like a small section of crypto there's still a big section out there that is purely just optimized for the best personal outcome and and uh, you yeah. know, don't care about the ethics at times yeah for sure and again like if one thing if something bad happens to a network a protocol a coin if it happens to it happens to everybody you know everything everyone gets affected by that one issue it's not like oh someone got scammed at their bank therefore everyone else is still safe just that one person screwed now like everyone is affected if there's a protocol level issue or a community level issue or anything like that so it's always important to remember it is like one for all <laughs> most certainly um and and even from the sort of financial financial perspective it, it um, will play a, a much bigger role simply because you start getting assets that are um, sort of composable across the system which means that out of say 100 units of capital you might end up with like 600 units because you can um, like rehypothecate whatever you have in different protocols just stacking things on top of each other this creates just this massive value but at the same time if if one of these you know domino pieces uh, falls it, it can create just like a, a it can puncture the bubble so to say so looking after each other perhaps at some point yeah. will will we'll, like they, they need to self-regulate basically as an industry within this this um, system mm. yeah um, will we'll probably drive people to to act against you know this this bubble being punctured yeah i think and, and i have strong future. faith <laughs> i have strong faith hopefully in the community to work together on that one um yeah so you're loving economics this is what you're you know starting to figure out what your passion is in high school and then in college you focus on that um but did you when did you hear about bitcoin was it during college yeah i think like many people i first heard about bitcoin uh, like while still at high school but mm -hmm like everybody else i just didn't see the, the the proposition at that time i was i don't know pretty happy with the financial system i i, I did not sort of encounter much uh, friction in terms of you know how you need to interact with various intermediaries and i would say that perhaps it is because estonia is is you know pretty developed in that sense we we have the swedish banks that represent the majority of the like financial system here is in from the banking side and, and they have you know created relatively few frictions and i cannot say that uh, they have been you know too charging to have a fee or or anything like that so and at that time i wasn't really sending money abroad too much yeah <laughs> or, or, or doing anything, anything yeah that, uh, or bitcoin having money <laughs> yeah yeah doing anything that bitcoin solves so i just didn't see much of an appeal you know especially because you couldn't like transact with it in stores or something exactly that's like the huge thing i've always recognized is like especially in america too there's so many ways to send money to people for free like i can use venmo paypal i can now use facebook to send money to people yeah. and they make it so easy it kind of makes you forget like why bitcoin was so important 
Why would I want to pay a transaction fee for every transaction for this digital money that I don't even know has any backing towards anything? It's very easy to speculate. But when you look at it through a perspective of a different countries where you know government regulations are much more corrupt and it's not easy to send money. It's not easy to even store your money or know if the money that you saved is going to stay there for you tomorrow. And that's when Bitcoin really or Ethereum or most cryptocurrencies come into play is that you get to have that ownership and you get to show that you own the money. You can send the money whenever you want and no one else can take that away from you, no matter how corrupt the government is. Yeah. And, and a monetary sort of argument comes into play here as well. I, I guess we only as in it's it, it seems to me that, that I've only come around to the need to manage the monetary supply to make sure that inflation is kept in check and you don't sort of pump a lot of hot air into the system just recently you know with the with the pandemic uh, and the limited supply or i don't know a, a slowly growing supply or some sort of algorithmic um side to how the supply is changing you know which makes it predictable it's important to have if you if you want a currency that that is not um going to go away in like 100 years just because you you as a nation state somehow lost the appeal and on your floating rate currency is just you know being devalued cost um but yeah it, coming back to your original question <laughs> i i discovered bitcoin like relatively early on but i just didn't look into was it, it a friend I, that's I, saying hey kirill you have to look at this or how'd you find it how'd you hear about it i think it was just like randomly browsing for the internet yeah, I guess Bitcoin came on everyone's radars multiple times, but everyone sort of brushed it off multiple times because you're like, oh, whatever, it's just random coin that yeah. is being transacted with uh, like nowhere. <laughs> so, so what's the point of having it? And, and now you recognize that, OK, you know, perhaps uh, this was a good bet. But in the end, I didn't act on it and uh, I, I came around the thing, you know, as most people did as well in this early 2017 cycle or, or mid 2017, but not for Bitcoin, for, for Ethereum. I just got some once I got out of university because I, I, I loved sort of the idea of various well, essentially applications uh, that, that it is possible to build on top. So just got some, um, then, but, but yeah. Again, I was like sitting underwater for the longest time ever after <laughs> yeah, that. Because you had it. Yeah, you got it. Then, um, then I guess so Bitcoin, Bitcoin was always on your radar. You kept hearing about it. And I guess, yeah, you never felt like you had to invest in Bitcoin or Ethereum immediately. But it was always something you're kind of just keeping an eye out, watching and seeing what's happening in the industry as it was slowly, slowly picking up. I would say that it was only just for the for the fun of it you know yeah the one eye open <laughs> honestly just, I, I cannot call myself like a crypto maxi until you know only recently that, that i came around uh i think for for a long time it was just like to watch the price for fun to like you know ponder on the question how much you could have made by <laughs> that's the worst don't don't do like that 2012 or something oh, but man. you know here's the deal the majority of people would mm. have never held it i mean from from that period of time until now for example i remember friends bragging how how you know creative and great they are of of traders because they bought it for like 100 and, and sold several weeks down the line for 400 you're like oh man i made four x that's pretty good that's i mean it is but if they held it they could have made way more yeah 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 so i honestly don't know what sort of mindset you need to be in to hold from like the very first instance instance to the you know to to the current days yeah. And, you know, I'd be interested to talk to such people, but in the end, you have yeah, to just I, buy I and forget I, it. You can't even like think about it because it'll just drive you nuts. The what if. Yeah. 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 Um, so 
it came on my radar again when you know the whole buzz around it started picking up and mm -hmm. at the university a friend uh he, he basically said hey so there's this new currency that was released you know not that long ago that's still a, a very attractive proposition like price wise you can get a lot for relatively little and you know it, it has this appeal and, and the technical sort of uh, foundation for 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 being universally used so look into that you know at the, at the time we you know looked at the ico boom mm -hmm. and thought okay some random projects are, are getting lots of money lots some of random money. factories in russia just like <laughs> collecting money for expansion in crypto just churning out fake icos just to make some money yeah, wow. yeah. you know lots loads of uh, advisors on board yeah you know, out of nowhere like so many advisors came up i'm like how how are you an advisor crypto just started how, and, yeah, and, yeah. How could you be an advisor? I can be an advisor at that point then. But that was just... Yeah, was... literally all that mattered it, were, were the traditional sort of signaling mechanisms. Uh, like the higher your, like the longer your tenure, the higher the position, the sort of catchier the, the, the company you're at or the like educational organization uh, that, that you graduated from, you know, the better. Like, oh... These guys are from MIT. They must really know their stuff. Hey, I'm from Boston right now, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly how it is. Ex Google engineer, ex something engineer, and just. Well, these things are still like broadly appealing because I actually don't know why. Um, I guess on the on the surface, if you compare people who haven't had that experience and and some that had, you will you will go for for the latter. But b back then, yeah, all kinds of things were, were you know, considered like noteworthy and investment worthy all turned out to be well not all but most of it turned out to be just hot air yeah and it's all exposed eventually so i'm kind of worried about that happening in the nft space right now mm. with all those oh it's automatically computer generated art and there's only ten thousand pieces and to that myself i'm like yeah, that's that's good it's it's great but you know what do you get out of it like what's it supposed yeah. to bring to you in terms of utility in terms of art it's fine if it looks beautiful and you're it's really appealing to you they should get it sure it's nice to have that kind of ownership but sometimes it's like what are you really getting out of it and sometimes it's just a fun loud community and mm -hmm. it's cool to be part of it but i guess for me i'm like also worried about there's a lot of nfts that are coming out that are just trying to yeah, make their money and make promises that they won't ever deliver on yeah well i guess it's different it is difficult to have innovation in the space when it doesn't promise you know this this outsized gains to people in order to come up with something like relatively risky where you're potentially wasting a lot of time and resources on, on building something you need to you know have a, a low chance of of striking it super big and mm -hmm. and the yeah, this, this tends to attract speculators whenever it's a proven concept that it actually works and the, the chance that you make it big is, is much low is much higher than you anticipate. But yeah, with NFTs, I think I, I couldn't come around for again a long time. Uh, we have been I have been in, in like brief conversations with, with different people who were obsessed with NFTs like very early and I just like couldn't get the appeal besides just the art component of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes I still don't. I think I'm more sort of interested by the speculative side to um, like how, how NFTs came around. But, but down the line, I think the biggest appeal is if they actually manage to, to cross into the like metaverse. So if, I think it will. I hope it will. That's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm curious to see how it develops. I don't, I don't hold any NFTs at this moment. Uh, 
but but yeah, maybe I should get some. <laughs> maybe just, Stakewise just community will start developing NFTs. Say it again? Maybe the Stakewise community will start developing NFTs for fun. Yeah, well, we actually have, uh, well, at least one. It's a semi-NFT. It's, you know, this proof po of attendance protocol type NFTs. Where, yeah. where we didn't even develop them. I think the Rocket Pool folks made, made this meme about um, Stakewise helping Rocket Pool avoid, you know, the, the, the potential exploit and the they made it into a meme and then into nft so i don't know if you've claimed yours you can i actually claim did <laughs> yeah because i saw it on your discord i was like oh sweet i, lo I love these pops they're, yeah, they're so fun to like just collect and they're they're free it's not like they cost anything unless you want to mint it but no very true um i mean i have i have one of my own now uh but how to put this it's like okay i have it but nothing it, changed well it's nice because now you can say like you know i was there for that event like imagine mm -hmm. when if there was pops for when ethereum launched oh and then you can say yeah. oh, i was there for the launch date it's cool so now when stakewise maybe uh adds on or develops with layer two you can launch a pop saying hey we launched everyone that's that wants to prove their attendance for this just enter no. your eth address so wholesomecrypto.eth you can see all my pops there but, yeah i'll actually look it up yeah they're pretty fun i've made a few just for other communities but yeah mm -hmm. um sweet so yeah you're out of college we'll go back to that you're out of college you're working in a financial company yeah. could you go a little bit more about you know what you're thinking at that time what you're working on and when you started maybe um going back and forth in your head of traditional finance or crypto finance yeah um so i think it all started when um, i began playing around with DeFi, or, or at least the the early sort of uh how would they call this exchanges uh, what decentralized exchanges yeah 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 exactly Dexes. so so just, just, yeah, Dexas, just playing around with that. And um, yeah, it was pretty fun, I have to say. <laughs> it was nice to finally be able to do something with your Ether. Uh, and uh, I think at some point, you know, uh, just was just observing what's happening. And, and that was around the same time that, uh, you know, I was not super happy with, with how growth is at, at the in the financial sector uh like not personal growth basically be it career progression or the kind of stuff that you get to do you're always sort of building on top of the like existing system which is just um, at times like irrational mm -hmm. and uh, down the line i just didn't feel like i want to do this for the rest of my career uh and and uh, yeah at, at that same time i think uh dimi my friend Dimitri, who is the founder of Stakewise, uh, came back to Estonia from Sweden for the pandemic. And uh, yeah, we sort of met up just as friends and he told me about Stakewise. And, and from there, it kind of was a very natural progression of, of uh, like me going into DeFi with Stakewise. When did you make the uh, full jump over Stakewise? Um, yeah, actually uh, roughly 11 months ago. So on the 9th of November, I quit my job to work on it full time. Uh, we were approaching the, the launch of EVE 2 like as an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we were going into our second sort of beta, uh, like the final beta on the final testnet. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were trying to raise and there was a lot of stuff to coordinate. And I just I couldn't do it in my like free time anymore. Like I did this whole time before throughout 2020. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I just quit, said, okay, it's all or nothing. And uh, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. It was super exciting. Uh, do you have like family members saying, what are you doing with this? Like, what are you talking about? My parents are like, they're kind of supportive, not supportive at the same time. Yeah. But I'm just... I didn't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> Still? I didn't tell anyone. And uh, I'm glad that I didn't. And, and my, my parents found out like super randomly because uh, my mom called up my, what is it called? GP, like 
at the hospital and it turned out that I don't have medical insurance. So she's like, uh, aren't you working? Um, <laughs> price for price. And I, I no longer was. <laughs> That's a risky take for entrepreneurship. You just got to go and yeah, you're young, you're yeah. healthy. It's fine. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and yeah, she, she didn't tell anyone, but, but she knew uh, in the end. That's love. <laughs> but yeah, no, no regrets there. I, I wouldn't have told, I think, if it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but it did, so it's all How many team members are in Stakewise? Um, so right now we are five. So we have myself and Dima, two other engineers, which are called both, uh, which are both called Andre. And Andre and, and Andre. Uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to like differentiate between them and calls. You're like, Andre, what do you think? Different <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, and, and then we have a, a person from the US. His name is Brian, and, and he's been helping out a lot. We actually were quite lucky with our community because many people were helping out a lot. Uh, their names were, I mean, they are from, from Europe and, and the US. Uh, there's Sasha, who helped us uh, moderate Discord and, and help with, with setting up some just community things. Uh, there's Vlad, who was of immense help for just the UI and a big portion of um, things we rolled out over over spring when we were very strapped for for resources just human resources mm -hmm. and, and a bunch of other people who were always like super responsive to the community and you know we still are maintaining communication with them and so i i don't count them as this uh, as as part of the like employed team but they're definitely a part of the like core stakewise team this is you know no debate yeah and it's always amazing having you know you're working on something you love so much and sharing that love with other members is just a extraordinary feeling no absolutely um yeah nothing to add to this uh, <laughs> just really glad that you know they came around and they discovered us we you know somehow managed to uh, strike up a friendship with them and uh, yeah i just hope it continues i'm very keen to meet them in person at, at mm -hmm. some point so yeah I'll, I'll, i gotta do it <laughs> Well, you're always welcome to the States here. Yeah, yeah, uh, that'd be lovely. Uh, I actually, you know, considered coming to Boston because of a friend who, you know, is beginning his uh, studies there. Uh, so he invited me yeah. over. So, yeah, I might as well arrive unexpectedly on the door. <laughs> Let me know. Some, some we'll get day. some lobster rolls and clam chowder. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> uh, um, so you're um, in, this, in this state of developing, working on Stakewise, and uh, Dimitri founded the company. So how, how is it that the idea of we have to solve or help staking on Ethereum, did Dimitri say, hey, it's going to be difficult for the average person to stake their Ethereum on a node or on a computer or create their own node at home? And even alone, having 32 ETH is a lot of Ethereum. So mm -hmm. what, were you immediately convinced that this was a problem that needs to be solved? Or how is yeah. that for you? I think um, in terms of the product market fit, uh, I think it is a, you know, a no-brainer that you need to somehow pull assets together because not everyone wants to earn passive income from Ether, has the necessary 32 ETH and is able and willing to run their own infrastructure. And like going further, um, it's also a no-brainer if you have an opportunity to earn interest from your Ether while you're actually also using it in, in various DeFi applications, you will do it, right? And and there's this lockup requirement you would want to avoid as well. So the idea of building a staking service with a token came very naturally. And uh, at the time that I joined Dima with this, I think we had an alpha product 
which is basically like shared validators. What you could do is, you know, spin up a validator with several people, but there was no token. And, you know, we developed a lot of things on top base, but the sort of core functionality was there and, and Dima it's, you know, I, I'm not sure how he managed to pull it off, but in the like two years before I joined, he was building this on his own. Mm -hmm. in his free time working on stakewise and um because of this we were actually the first to launch on a public testnet uh to give people a flavor of what these two staking can be with a sort of DeFi oriented service it's you know pretty amazing that we expected that if2 is going to launch in july 2020 so we were like okay we need to like rush with certain things so we in may i think we launched on the first testnet or it was the second testnet but we launched like a working product essentially. And we started, you know, trying to get people to, to try it and, uh, and, and get some community. Uh, a lot of people were excited about rocket pool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it didn't really matter that we had the working product. They just were, were, were uh, like very convinced that rocket pool is the way, so they didn't even pay attention. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think slowly. Uh, like one by one, uh, some people started coming around and, and testing it. And uh, yeah, in the end, I think this this head start uh, back in May gave us a, a really good sort of runway to build a community that is sufficiently large to to you know get us off the ground like relatively quickly. Uh, back when we actually launched in March 2021. Yeah, and I love I think Stakewise and Rocket Pool are my two favorite communities and you know, staking platforms probably. And you guys are kind of also like friends, which is kind of cool, especially with Yuma helping out mm -hmm. Rocket Pool in terms of like, that's what we're talking about before. It's even though you're two different uh, platforms doing two different ways of staking, it's just, it's overall good for the community that you both succeed versus trying to drown the other one. It doesn't help either of you. Yeah, And I like seeing that between the community. I think that's very wholesome. <laughs> that's just what we, that's just like what Ethereum is pretty good at too, is keeping kind of a wholesome community. You know. I, I hope that, you know, we, we will be able to maintain this, this sort of um, relationship going. It wasn't always like this, I can tell you, because yeah. oftentimes <laughs> a lot of people used to talk down and stay quiet on Reddit. Uh, and, and I vividly remember basically reading those comments because I signed up for notifications every time Stakewise uh, or Rocket Pool or any other staking service was being mentioned on Reddit. And I would read all of it <laughs> and uh, it would be a good sort of... Uh, gauge for um, the sentiment around different projects but yeah i think this slowly changed we never tried to be i don't know um we, we never tried to be confrontational if mm -hmm. people discovered us and they wanted to like try us and they wanted like a fair assessment of what's been happening in in two different products you know we'd always try to offer this um, fair uh, uh, comparison, right? And uh, you know, we were always relatively transparent about what we see are the risks with their product, or mm. you know, the advantages of our product, and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, in the end, what I believe an average staker can can benefit from is just staking with several services at once. This is good for differentiating your your risk. It's it's like not keeping all of your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's it's needed. I think that's important. Like you're not gonna, if you're not a company with competition, then you're not probably needed at, at all. So it's good to have competition. It's good to have friendly competition. Yeah, it, it is. Um, 
So, so with with this in mind, basically, yeah, you can you can think of us as uh, you know as competing products, and and we are competing products. But for the average staker, we actually sort of don't think that they should choose either or. It's probably best to be using I don't know two or three just to make sure that you are yeah relatively safe in terms of you know yeah. uh, how how safe your capital is. Um, obviously, we do our utmost like everyone else to, to keep it secure. Um, you know, it's literally uh, a, a very big commitment that we make. Uh, and uh, that being said, there are always risks with, with innovation like this, uh, you know, on the client side, somewhere else, like we discovered with, with Rocket Pool and Lido, for example, who would mm -hmm. have thought, you know, we started looking into decentralizing our protocol, starting started to, to look at, you know, how our competitors are dealing with certain things. And it turned out that, okay, there's this, you know, we clear, clear, glaring hole in, in uh, how they do this that allows to steal users' funds. Yes. You know, we hope that, uh, I mean, I'm confident, but I still hope that um, we don't have any spots that we miss in, in what we do. Um, and and if, if there are, they will be as sort of friendly in, in reporting them in a, in a timely manner. But down the line, what this means for the average staker is that it's best to not keep your eggs in one basket, especially as Ether appreciates, because it, it there's a high chance that a good chunk of your network uh, will be in Ether by, I don't know, 2025. And uh, that long? And, and what? That long? <laughs> I mean, I, just... I don't know. I, I don't know how people sort of diversify between yeah. crypto and other assets, but I'm just thinking just longer term. Mm -hmm. What's the point of, of uh, you know, just emotionally being invested in just one platform when you can be sort of more rational with your investments? That's wise words because we definitely, yeah, something people forget is putting all eggs in one basket is not a sound um, move to make because, you know, it's just traditional investing. Diversify and make sure you're able to stay safe in case of anything happens. And that's like what's a tough part about too is, you know, there's a lot of Bitcoin maximalism going on around. Mm. And I mean, I love Bitcoin. I think it's... It's what kind of brought everyone here. Even Ethereum was, you know, um, uh, started off just because Bitcoin was there. It's like, oh, an idea that derived off of Bitcoin. And I think it's always, always important to remember, like, yeah, Bitcoin's important, Ethereum is important. Many other coins are going to be important, hopefully, or they're going to phase in and out. Um, but there's a place for everything. And I can't imagine a world where one coin will be the ruler of them all. It's, it's not going to be one coin for everybody. There's always going to be a handful of things to choose from. Most certainly. And I think this also opens up a good discussion on what coin or what blockchain uh, will, if ever, uh, governments or public institutions adopt. Yeah. And it seems like there will be no no winner. So the bridges between different networks are all the more important. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Bridges. I think bridges are becoming a newer uh, industry. Like now. People are trying to create more bridges and, and more coins just because that's what they're seeing is that there's such diversity out there that it's it's hard to talk between the two. So now it's all about bridging. But I don't know. I mean, Ethereum kind of solves a lot of that because you can create your own app on Ethereum. You don't need to bridge. But then again, yeah, you're putting everything on one blockchain. So if anything ever happens on Ethereum, it's probably going to affect every single other token out there, which is not safe. Yeah, well, I think therein uh, is uh, like the appeal of a decentralized system. In order for Ethereum to break, you basically need um, like a lot of, how do I put this? You need everyone to fail at once, which mm -hmm. is very difficult to imagine. So from that perspective, it's actually perhaps okay if everything is built on one network, like like Ethereum, because it is super decentralized already. Um, I think what, what is perhaps a, a, a an argument in favor of why this, this might not happen is because in the end, the decisions are made by people 
and people are influenced by other people and yeah. Uh, and and yeah you can offer all sorts of financial incentives to to those who are in charge or in power or you know they can make you know, just faulty judgments or maybe they can make right judgments but but um, this may lead to other chains being chosen over ethereum whenever say the traditional world adopts crypto or, or blockchain in general at least in my opinion yeah i have a hard time imagining countries who are so power hungry letting their power be decentralized i feel like it's always going to be they might just develop their own blockchain and yeah i think that is a very sensible sort of uh, prediction yeah. yeah i've been wrong before so <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah i mean you cannot always uh, yeah talking about the future <laughs> if everybody had a crystal ball yeah it would be pretty awesome but no uh so again all this crypto industry uh talk um you know you've been in this industry for a while so i'm sure you've learned a lot about how people act and talk and what kind of um i guess way that people handle each other on the on the internet so i want to know what is your crypto pet peeve mm. yeah it's uh people scamming other people mm. uh, yeah it is shame. It is, uh, yeah, taking advantage of the of the you know lack of knowledge or uh, of trust of uh, like in into you know communication in crypto. I think that's the that's the thing. The community is so open and it is so you know helpful that some people might uh, I don't know lower their guard, so to say, and yeah. uh, and because of this, yeah, it 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 invites all sorts of scams and, and fraud. So yeah, I hate seeing that. I hate people losing money because you know, a random impersonator of myself or, or somebody else messaged them and, and sent them a link that asked them to input a 12 word uh, sort of sentence. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty upsetting to see. And, and at the same time, perhaps it also is a pet peeve to see people not like educate themselves on just the basic security questions. Mm -hmm. uh, never and, share and your seed phrase. What? Never share your seed phrase, never share your private key. Ever. Yeah, let's just Put it out there again this 12 word phrase you have don't share it ever 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 yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean it must be pretty hard for you too because yeah you're working so hard to make an awesome community and awesome um representation of yourself and then some scammer comes in impersonating you and it's just it's tough yeah i mean honestly it's not as tough on me as on the people that actually lose their savings because yeah. of this and and uh, yeah there's only so much that I can do to prevent this. Like I legit cannot influence every single person. And and something really about myself in general, no one uh, can can protect others other than trying to educate them on on you know, the potential dangers and you know the most popular ways to scam people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I on my part do most that I can to just help people avoid that. So whenever we recommend saying. Like whenever we recommend like linking Ledger to MetaMask to make sure that a hardware wallet is easier to use in your in your browser, I'm always giving them the correct link to MetaMask because yes. there's always a chance they will they will Google MetaMask. Google ads will show up like will 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 show some sort of scam project that says mask meta and they will like <laughs> accidentally download it. That's hard. It's like yeah, even I think MetaMask even tried to like help out with having a verified whitelist of links that are correct so well, in case you go to something like um i don't know some D DeFi exchange or something it would be like this is an actual link you're good to go yeah or it gives you warnings i think it's it's more on the google's end basically it's very hard on their end i guess just whitelist all the ads oh, because yeah. there, are, there are so many mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time this this crypto scams are so prevalent with like random um like projects impersonating bigger projects to scam people 
like routinely showing up on on the ad sort of side you would think that okay maybe hire one person and, and try to check for for this kind of stuff for just like the popular names it will save people a lot of money that's tough it's yeah it's there's only so much you can do yeah. um so yeah now that you're in this industry do you think you can ever go back do you ever want to go back <laughs> um maybe when you retire i mean the only thing that that uh, is, is is the only thing that that it's not, and I don't know how to put this into words. Like there is one thing that I would change in when, when working in crypto, and this is this, um, 24 seven connectivity, uh, and especially when, when you're a founder. So I honestly love everything, even when this 20, with this 24 seven connectivity, I, I have no complaints. I'm like, you know, grateful. I, I do feel lucky to be in this industry and, uh, you know, be able to make a difference, but at the same time. It, it, it does require you to regulate your, your screen time because otherwise yeah. it is pretty easy to get yourself burned out very quickly. So I, I, if, if, uh, somehow down the line, I actually managed to like, not feel uh, guilty for, for taking my eyes off, uh, <laughs> like the mobile phone or, or the laptop for some time during the day and, uh, and, and yeah, forget about this, this, you know, social media, then I think there's really no reason to switch. I, I love it. So yeah. yeah. I know, I, exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I used to be a community manager for two years and yeah, I would be glued onto my computer, onto my phone and just could not leave a telegram chat, making sure everyone knows what's going on, making sure nobody gets scammed. And then yeah, at a certain point you have to almost make like a process out of it or you hire more uh, team members or hope the community is strong enough to regulate itself. But that's always tough. So yeah, yeah. there's always, there's definitely a way around it. But again, in the beginning times, it's really hard. I definitely feel you on that one. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think it's, it's amazing what we're building collectively and, mm -hmm. and, and us at stake wise, uh, like privately. So I'm just very keen to be, uh, you know, a part of it and, and a growing part of it. Yeah. And it's awesome that you are helping out with the community like that. And guess what, what do you do on like on the side then like as a hobby or how do you live life outside of crypto? Yeah. Um, we, we have been over this in the private chat, but, uh, I think. I, I really don't don't feel any affinity for for anything else other than stakewise right now. Mm -hmm. So I am like fully dedicated to this, uh, like from from the morning till night. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. What's it again? Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This is all the podcasts I previously listened to talking <laughs> now. But no, this is coming straight from the heart. Actually, I I um, you know occasionally think that okay, it's it's maybe healthy to like like have a balanced life basically to like mm -hmm. uh spend more time with friends or i don't know go to the gym or or whatever and perhaps this is true so i i do try to do my fair bit uh, of like exercise or seeing friends occasionally but in the end I, I i can tell you that you know this is truly a passion i really want stakewise to succeed and, and be uh, the leading staking platform on ethereum like liquid staking platform mm -hmm. so i don't think that's I will, I will like comfortably rest or pick up any hobbies until this is true. So, so yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. I think, yeah, I think you're gonna, you're gonna do just fine. Uh, I guess I'll leave with the last question. Um, what made you smile the most recently? Yeah. 
um again i think in the private in, in the private conversation kind of went over this and i would i would feel disingenuous if i like said the same thing so i'll try to come up with something else. um yeah i previously said that i was i was genuinely happy for for dima getting recognition for being a an amazing builder in the space and, and building stakewise and in, in the advancing the values that we like share as a community uh, in in the vulnerability that he disclosed. But mm-hmm. uh, now I would say what what um, what makes me smile is uh, stakewise getting like gradual adoption, like receiving gradual adoption in the DeFi space. Uh, we just randomly learned about you know being included in a fuse pool. Even though it's small, it's actually good that you know people are starting to notice. It's honestly been pretty, or not noticed. People have been noticing us for a long time, and I know that a lot of people know about Stakewise, but you know somehow um, we we have not generated significant amounts of TVL yet from it. But I do know that after this this recent thing, uh, I think we're definitely being treated more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the you know what what made me smile or happy is this this recent inclusion into into the fuse pool it's a small win but a win nonetheless and yeah like all the other things that have that, that are, are going for us we need to like capitalize on and i'm also actually very excited about meeting all the people that have been previously only chatting via the internet when i go to <laughs> lisbon next week for the conference are you so, sweet take pictures um yeah i'm not a fan of pictures somehow <laughs> I'm, like i feel awkward taking them with, like, other people, but um yeah if i if i am on any i'll, I'll share them. G- give your community what they want <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Kirill, for joining me today i really appreciate your time i'll let you get back to enjoying your friday yeah thank you uh, thank you very much rudy and thanks for the great questions and the great chat um i enjoyed it a lot and yeah you have a good weekend thank you you too see you everybody